Welcome to the United We Scan podcast, the podcast by rural carriers for rural carriers. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views or opinions of the United States Postal Service or the National Rural Letter Carriers Association. We ask that you please consult your assigned union representative for guidance in your local area. Make sure you like this podcast, share with your fellow rural carriers, and subscribe to be notified each time a new episode is uploaded. Please rate this podcast five stars where applicable and leave a comment or question for us below. Thank you. Now, here are the hosts of the United We Scan podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 23. Kristen is in the transit right now, so she's unable to start this off, so I'm starting it off for her. And before we get started on this episode, I wanted to put out a little information for everybody. Due to recent incidents that have occurred, we're letting everybody know that at any time you feel stressed out, worried, have personal issues at home, or anything of that matter, you can use the Postal Service EAP. It's free to use. It's confidential. They don't report this stuff back to your postmaster. And it's somebody you can talk to about it. The other option is you have the Suicide Prevention Hotline through short code 988. You can dial it on your phone. You can also text that number. If you need help, reach out. They are there 24-7, available for anybody. On top of that, if you are working with somebody, check in on them. Check on your coworkers, past and present. If a carrier moved on to another office and you still have contact with them, check in on them. Make sure your other fellow carriers are doing okay out there. Because we're in a stressful time, we're going through a stressful situation, and sometimes we just need somebody to talk to. So reach out, be that person for them to talk to. We're all in this together, and there are resources that you can use for that. Thank you. So, Josh, now that we've passed that sad note, how was your week? My week was not too bad. Um, still waiting um, for the new car to come in. Um, luckily or unluckily, I have use of my buddy's spare vehicle, which is his right-hand drive Jeep. So, at least I'm not Ubering to work every day. And to couple on what you said, you know, the somber way you opened the show this evening... Every week when we close, I say, don't get overwhelmed. If you do, take a step back, take a breath, then step back in there, which includes reaching out. If you feel, if you need to talk to someone, find someone to talk to, friend, family member, close coworker, just someone. Get that weight off your chest. And hopefully everyone will have a good week. Mike, how are you doing today and this week? Uh, this week's been okay. Just kind of a normal week this week. Trying to trying to get through 
um, just like everybody else. No big ups or downs, just 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 a week. I understand. Thank you, Bill. Well, I'm looking forward to a, another wonderful week in a stress-related uh, stress environment with um, unqualified management who works under the dictates of district who doesn't work within the confines of the contract. So just a normal week. <laughs> yeah. um, in relation to your uh, PSA there, it, it's... It, you got to remember, people, you don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Most people at work are co-workers. They're, you know, sometimes you're lucky enough, you develop friendships there. Watch for the signs. Watch you know, for you know, people withdrawing. Watch for people getting belligerent. You know, pay attention to what's going on at work and, and reach out to people. Even if you don't like them, you know, they're, they're still a life. You know, they're a human being and you should be concerned about them. And, you know, we can't afford to lose a carrier and, and, and these children could not afford to lose their mother. And it's, it just, it just rips me to, to hear this, that, that you know, now these children are going to wonder why mommy left them. And you don't know what's going on in people's minds. So reach out to people, look, look for signs of, you know, either belligerence or withdrawal. And, you know, even if you just start a small conversation about nothing, you can get, get a feel for the situation, you know, that they're experiencing at the moment. And then you can ask them, you know, is, is there something bothering you? Can I help you reach out to people? I, I hate to see a life just, go like that. I, just, I really, it bothers me because I've seen several people go through that. And whereas I don't understand it, it, it it's a, it's a common day uh, occurrence anymore. And especially with the situation we have at the post office, the way people's incomes are fluctuating, I, I can see a lot of this coming down the pike. So we wanted to come on this week. Yeah discuss all the rumors that we've seen circulating on Facebook, coming from management, coming from fellow carriers, coming from all over the place. Now, again, these are our opinions. You should contact your designated local union representative for guidance on this stuff. But this is how we feel this stuff should be. So make sure you reach out and actually have a discussion with your designated union rep over this stuff. The first one I'm going to go over with you guys, and we'll rotate through, is does doing load truck during loading time increase your evaluation? Load truck is an optional item for rural carriers under evaluated hours. If you're hourly, management can make you use load truck. That is an agreement that the post office and the union made a long time ago. But if you're doing load truck to increase your evaluation and you, it doesn't put you up to that next hour, you're working for free. You're doing more work for free. If it increases you to that next hour, you're still doing more work just to get to that next hour. 
So as we say, carrier discretion, but I see it as more work for no gain in a, in a sense. What do you guys think? I, part, I think that I agree with you on that, but I would say if your local management is telling you you are required to do it, I would do it during that load vehicle time. If you're opting to do it on your own, I would not recommend doing it under the load vehicle time. And the reason I say that is if they're telling you you have to, you might as well get the credit that they're telling you you credit for it that they're telling you you have to do that op that function. If you're yep. doing it just because you prefer to do it and that way you can just get the sequence and line them up easier, I would do it when you first grab your gurney and start sorting your parcels, you know, sorting out your parcels, not where you're actually loading your vehicle. Yeah, but because it's only my... if you're loading them straight into the vehicle. It's not if you're scanning them, putting numbers on them, and putting them in order. Right. If you pick it up, scan it, toss it in the truck, pick it up, pick the next one up, scan it, toss it in the truck, that's one thing. But if you're sitting there, okay, that's number 375, Oop, that's 223, and you're using the marker and writing that on the um, on the label somewhere. I wouldn't do it during the your load vehicle. And I I find it especially confusing for a regular carrier to do that. I mean, they ought to know their route by heart. So it's a, it's a waste of time. And like you said, there's no gain to it unless you're tripping into the next hour. And and even then. You're on the evaluated basis. You want to get out of there ASAP because the sooner you're on your route, the better your mood changes. All right. And somebody want to get the next one? Oh, PM casing for mapping, huh? Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you're going to do mapping, it should be your end of shift duties. PM casing stops the clock for that day. If you're going to do the mapping, make sure it's on your end of shift duties. Get the credit for it. Period. And that end of shift is the under return to DU. Anytime after return to DU before you hit PM casing or clock out. That's right. And mapping should be an end of shift duty. And we'll go over that later what uh, mapping is. What, what they can do for mapping overall. That's another question later on. So I'll um, go over that later. The next thing on the list was clocking out uh, within so long of returning. It takes as long as it takes. Right? Some days I can be done in five minutes. Some days it takes me 15. My case neighbor, she has a pickup of, you know, she has three or four pickups, which are each one of them, the smallest is 50-some pieces and they're around like Father's Day and Christmas because the one is a golf memorabilia place. Could be a couple hundred to 300 pieces that she has to unload out of her truck, which means she's getting a either a Gaylord or a cage, rolling it out to her truck, unloading all that stuff, Rolling that Gaylord or, you know, with a hand truck or the cage, 
to the back area near the dock where the outgoing mail is, and then coming back and unloading all the rest of her stuff, and then clean, you know, doing her cleanup. So for her to have thirty minutes at the end of the day is not unheard of because of everything that she has to get out of her truck and clean up. You know, like we've mentioned in a few episodes in the PO603, it says what the NSF duties are. There are multiple wires that people have made up going around Facebook on the union's website, nrlca.org. Under the Rex Guide, you can find what the list of industry duties are that should be included. There was a there was a pretty extensive list in the this month's national magazine as well. Okay, I don't think I'm not sure if I've gotten that yet. I, if I did, I haven't had the moment to look but, through it yet. But well, that's but that's um, also ava- yeah. available uh, on the uh, website uh, or under the magazine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read I'll read these off real quick for you for end of shift duties. You have obtaining a conveyance, using the restroom, depositing collection mail in designated locations, depositing business reply mail, updating your edit books, replenishing stamp stock, replacing undeliverable parcels in a designated location, the DPM and LTM maintenance, closeout duties if required, replenishing rural reach customer brochures, discussions with management, Updating case labels, returning keys and accountable mail, completing the PS Form 3821, which is your clearance slip, completing the PS Form 35752, which is a change of address if required, completing the PS Form 3971, request for leave, handling money order transaction, handling undeliverable mail, returning the conveyance to the desired location, and preparing hold mail for redelivery. That's the entire list. It's on our website under our current magazine, as well as being in our current magazine. And that is quotable stuff from the union that you can use with management. So if you have a magazine or you have a carrier that's a dues-paying member that gets the magazine, you can ask them for a copy of it. I'm sure they'll be willing to give it to you. If not, you can always join the union, too, to get your copy of it if you need to. That's another option you can do. Make sure that you're doing all of these duties on your end of shift because that helps your evaluation. End of shift time is that return to DU time that gives you more minutes over time. Every minute you're on that is a minute on your evaluation average. And I guess the other other thing, too, is if management is telling you there is some sort of limit ask for that policy in writing ever since this came out the the union has been consistent is that your end of shift time from the, from the time you hit return to delivery unit it is it takes what it takes if it you're you're going to have some days that it's that you're going to be in and out and you're going to have some days where now nope, this is the day I got to replace my case labels this is the day I'm going to do my edit book you know don't let don't let management bully, bully you. you, coerce you, influence you, whatever term you want to use, to say that no, you have to be out in a set number, uh, a set time, where you have a limit. 
And if they are telling you, I'm telling, I'm giving you a direct order to be out of here in five minutes. Tell them, I would like that direct order in writing, please, round dated and signed. And the reason I want it round dated and signed is so that way we both have it for our records and nobody can say, well, I didn't tell him that, or I didn't hear you tell me that. It's for both sides to have positive verification that this was a direct order. You're not trying to get a, away with something or anything like that, but it is a physical copy that you can then take to your designated union representative and explain, hey, my, my postmaster gave me a direct order. Here's a signed copy from my postmaster telling me to do so. And it solves your problems a lot easier that way. First thing would be asking for an 8191 once yeah. when they hand that to me, could it please have an 8191 to go along with that? <laughs> well, you wait for them to hand it to you, then you ask for the 8191. That's what I'm saying. Once they hand yeah. it to me, I'd ask for an 8191. Yep. That's your grievance form that we went over a few episodes back. Okay, guys, I'm going to pop in for a moment. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> listening, so. Yeah, well, I had to stop. My daughter had to go get a phone charger since hers is still in my Jeep. Just everybody wondering where I am at tonight. I had to make a uh, impromptu drive across the state to pick up my daughter since there was a slight accident with my car involving two deer this morning that deployed the airbags in my Jeep. And... I will know tomorrow when the adjuster gets out there. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be shopping for a new car, which is Just not what it. I wanted to do. <laughs> wants so, to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my so, my poor Jeep. So, so you have I wanted to touch on. The, on... Uh... Yeah, when you hear back I just kind of wanted to touch in on the on the, huh? What was that? I would say when you hear back from the adjuster, let them let them know that due to the location, you were not able to get into the vehicle to collect your stuff, and you probably will not be able to get there. Um, what arrangements can they make before they take possession and tow it away? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm going to tell the co tow company that, too, that has my vehicle. But... So, yeah, I have a few moments before I lose signal again. So I'm kind of going to be popping in and out tonight, listening while I can. So that's you what's going on, on with me. I just wanted to touch on um, the beginning because I caught the James part with the uh, with the EAP. That is also available for anybody in your household that lives with you free of charge as well. So if there are issues that somebody in your household needs to use it, you can reach out and use it for your household members as well. Yeah, my wife has it on speed dial. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she does. <laughs> All right. And then on, on that also, we have management turning around and telling people that they only have so many hours in the office before they have to leave. It's the same thing. It takes what it takes. We are not city carriers. We don't get two hours in the morning in the office and then we have to leave for the route. We also have the option to case our DPS 
Although with the evaluated system, we don't get compensation for casing DPS unless it's under 400 letters a day, then you get the option to case it. So if management's pushing you to get out the door, telling you it's a direct order, again, get it in writing, same situation. You know, it's funny that I find that, you know, uh, my route's now up at 64 hours a week. And they're giving me three hours and 47 minutes to case. And then they give me six and a half hours to deliver it, which is approximately two hours more than I need to deliver it. Because when I'm done casing, I'm, I'm more efficient on the street. The less time I'm on the street, the less likelihood I'm going to have an accident. The less time I'm on the street, the less fuel and wear and tear I'm accruing on the vehicle. So... Where are you making these decisions based on what facts? I mean, I've never understood that one. And, you know, that'll go back to the next thing about stopping at mailboxes every three to five seconds. Because when I drive up to a mailbox, uh, I mean, I do it in 2.8 seconds. You know, my mail's in the hand. I slap the lid down. Mail goes in. Lid's up. I pull away. I I mean, yeah, but we, we can talk about that in a little bit here. Yeah. And um, like you just said, you know, and the people that have under 400 pieces of mail should be casing it in the office. You're paid to actually case it in the office for the 400 letters. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people who get less than 400 letters don't even have DPS. They actually get the sector segment version of it instead. So they have to case it. So. Again, carrier discretion on whether you want to take DPS to the street or not. Management, now this is going to be the caveat with these new RECs uh, evaluations. Everybody that's that's severely under-evaluated is going to be constantly over their evaluation, and that's one of the requirements for making carriers take DPS to the street. The other one is if you're hourly, again. So, but it's however you wish to do it unless management forces you and again get it in writing and talk with your designated union rep yep round stamp it everything document 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 you know next one was stopping at every mailbox for three to five seconds so the biggest rumor that's been going around and a lot of people have been talking about is management telling them to stop at every mailbox for three to five seconds to get the breadcrumbs for stopping at that mailbox. If you don't have anything for the mailbox, the PO603 says you can skip the mailbox if the flag is not up. Management telling you to do a stop every three to five seconds, you definitely want to get that in writing because not only can your postmaster come out on that route and inspect you, the postal inspectors, management from other offices, district managers, national managers, Regional managers who don't train their their management to do the rec system can come out and and inspect you on your route. So you want that in writing that your manager told you to stop at every mailbox. Otherwise, you could get possibly get in trouble for that. I've got a question in regards to that because that that leads to another conundrum in regards to I don't get credit for the stopping at that mailbox because the DPS didn't have any mail for that mailbox. Um, I didn't have a box holder that day. So 
people are asking if I don't have mail for that mailbox, then does that tell them somewhere in the rec system that I'm falsely stopping at that mailbox? That's a question further down, actually. <laughs> we can <laughs> jump into the next question. But, but you know, well, it's food for thought, it, you know. I mean, yeah, you yeah know, we're, we'll, we'll get to that say, one, too. In regards to that, Bill, I would say if you have flats or letters from the hotcakes or right. flat rack, Right. Or they have outgoing mail. If you stop at a small percentage of boxes other than the informed delivery shows or receipt yes for, it's a no harm, no foul. If you're stopping at every single box, every single day, it's going to throw a red flag up. At some point. At some point, somebody's going to say something. But with, with all the flaws we have with this system and the scanners, how do we know what is and what isn't being credited? That, that That's where the transparency issue is, is critical in regards to the true evaluations of this program. I mean, there, there's, there's more questions than there are answers. And then the answers we're getting are, are conflicting with each other based on right. district... DR, ADR, role carrier specialists, management. It, it, yeah, there, there, there's so many cooks in the kitchen that I can't go to get a good cherry pie with any cherries in it. Right. And, you know, like I said in the past, I've heard supposedly that if you're at a walking pace when you pass the box, it'll hit the brake drum. But then you see other sources say that three to five seconds. So no one has been able to definitively say one way or another what that what actually gives you. Yeah, and that's that's the key is everybody's getting different information from different people, right. you know, and, and you're getting different information even from us, you know, than what somebody else will say. You know, we'll, you'll, we've, we've upset a lot of people by having this podcast. Told you about the fan mail. That's yep. the previous episode we had. You know, we upset people about it. But the key to us doing this is to get you to go talk to your designated union rep and get the answers straight from your union rep who gets it from their district rep who gets it from the national rep. That's and, what and we even, want you to do. And and even then, I want them to show me in writing. Yes. Everything okay. should be in writing. If it's not in writing, I don't believe you. Unless and we don't post anything in writing. <laughs> we don't post anything in writing. We just talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm if only I'm seven and a half hours, I should only work seven and a half hours. This is funny because I, I sit there and say, okay, folks, do you understand the evaluated system? And, and apparently they don't. It's not based on your daily hours. It's based on your average hours for the week, based on your routes evaluation. Mondays in my office are a bear. I'm, I'm putting, you know, nine and a half, ten 
hours in there every Monday because for some reason the plant can generate a truckload of mail for us on Mondays and then it peters out through the week. So by the time I get to Thursday or Friday, and even with the marriage mail or box holders or whatever you call them for your local you know, supermarkets, I'm, I'm back down at eight, eight and a half, eight, eight and three quarters hours. So it's the average. So if you're getting paid, as in my case, I'm getting a 48K and I'm getting paid for nine hours and I'm getting done under nine hours. That's the average. And that goes into whether or not you're going to, you know, do your seven and a half or I do my 8.9 hours or 9.6 hours. It's an average over the course of the week based on the route's evaluation. Now, if you're going to ask this question, are you also going to stick around for an hour and a half when you're done yep. with six hours? Yep. Are you, or, you know, if you work 7.15 hours, are you going to stick around for the extra 15 minutes? Because yeah, that's what they're paying you for. Yeah, I, I was going to make that point too. And then there's the other aspect of this too. If you're only working seven and a half hours a day, how do you expect your evaluation to go up? Yeah. You you want to work seven and a half hours because you're paid seven and a half hours, then you're never going to see eight hours as an evaluation. Yeah. Especially I, if you're you're really shortcutting yourself on your end of shift duties. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, uh, when I, when I first started seeing these posts coming up that when, when people were talking about their, their cuts and saying, well, I'm only going to work, you know, I was as a 45 K, you know, nine hour, nine hours a day. Now I'm only getting seven and a half. Well, I'm not going to work past that. It's like, the, so there's, you're, you're not going to serve part of your route. You're going to take it out on your customers that you're cut, you're going to take that out on your customers, and you're going to deny them service because of because of your loss of evaluation. We're, we're still, you still have people relying on you. You know, what if those people on the end of end of your route are waiting for the, the medication that you have that you're taking back to the that you're quote taking back to the office because you're not going to work over over seven and a half hours, or you know, there's. There are still people who who mail important documents through the postal service. Believe it or not, they don't all email them or or, or that. So you're you're denying yeah. your customer service, and that it could just be my my it could just be my age showing, but that just that just really rubs me the wrong way, and that just really this it really puts the post office in a bad light. Or We're us in a bad light. That. Think about this. Court documents. It takes two to three days for it to get to you at minimum. Yeah. And when it gets to you and you deliver it, the certified for them, they have 28 days to respond to that. And you're eating away at those days by not delivering it to them. I want to say the other thing I want to touch base on with the seven and a half, you know, scheduled seven and a half. I work seven and a half. You know, to kind of touch base on what Bill was saying, or if you get done in six hours, are you going to sit there? You know, what are you going to do for that hour? You know, for that hour and a half, are you going to hang out? I'm going to jump ahead to the last thing on the list of going hourly, like City. If you're, if we go hourly, like City, and you get done your route in six hours, 
guess what? They're they're gonna wanna they're gonna want you to work for those other two hours to make up your eight hour day. Yep. Yeah. The other carrier that um, had seven hours, so, seven hours has nine hours on his route. Guess what? Now you're gonna get two hours off of him to go deliver his route that you've never done before. Yeah. People keep saying well, I think we should just go hourly like the city. Personally, I wouldn't want to. Nope. Yeah, it sucks. If I'm an eight-hour evaluation and it takes me 10 today, I'm only getting paid eight. But by the end of the week, when it's only taking me six, it balances out. Mm-hmm. And, I st- you know, and I'm still getting to go home early at the end of the week. Yeah. And then, you know... And- it- it fluctuates, you know, season to season. You know, we're coming in. We're right. we're coming in when school lets out. You know, uh, June, July. You know, that's traditionally our slow period. Is is traditionally a slow period for mail anyway. So you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a lot to deliver. And then you know, it starts. It starts ramping up at the, you know the end of the summer, uh, up until we get to the Christmas peak. So. You know, and, and you know, yep. we, we Josh Josh hit on it. You know, the just go hourly. There's there's more to it than that. You know, city carriers yep. if they if they're if they're done and they haven't made their eight hours, they have to go help or they have to take leave. Yep, or sit around the office, or yeah, and you know, right and now this is, this is nothing against our city carrier brethren. Nope, it's not. It's not. We support we support their contract just as much as we support ours. They have a great great contract that they work with. We have a great contract that we work with in, in many aspects. So this is nothing against our city brethren. It's, brother two different it's yeah, it's a totally different beast to be a city carrier than it is to be a rural carrier. Yep. <laughs> Still the same stuff, just different beasts of how you how you handle it. Yeah. Integrity scans. No scans allowed in the office. That this this one, this one gets my goat. That uh, I, I I can on, on one hand I can uh, uh, the economist in me. On the one hand I can see why they're doing it. You know, they're trying to get at carriers who are actually falsifying stuff and saying no, you have to, you shouldn't be scanning stuff when you're back from the route. But the other thing is, it, at least in our district, it's it, there's a three o'clock window. If you get back and it's and it's 259 and you make that scan in the office it's okay but if it's 301 and you make that scan in the office then you then you end up on a report so that that's the one part of that and then the other thing is well you have to take it out of the you know after three o'clock if you're going to you know you you missed a parcel you know parcel slid under your tray it got buried under something and well you know, are you going to take it out and deliver it, or you, or you're going to make some scan on it? You take it out of the office and do it on the street. You know that that just it just bugs me on some on on just some deep level. I can only speak for my station. Even though my office is as large as it is, even station to station, they have you know there's different quote unquote rules. Of what you know, man, you know, ex, I should say expectations from management. At least in my station, in the morning, if I know it's on hold or it's IA or whatever the reason is that I wouldn't take, you know, 
wouldn't be delivering it, I can scan it before I leave. They don't want me bringing anything back in the afternoon. They want me to scan it. At, if I brought it with me in the truck, they want me to scan it at the location on the reason why I'm not delivering it. Which I can understand, you know, which I can understand that. I would suggest getting with your local management and local representative to find yeah. out and hatch out what is the best and appropriate action for this. Um, if they you come back and there's packages and they tell you you need to take it for a ride and and scan it off the premises, that in writing. One, get it in writing. Two, make sure you let your representative know that this is this is the procedure that your local management is giving you, so they can tell you, yeah, unfortunately that's it, or no, wait, let's, you know, we need to put a stop to that. But I would definitely say put that back into your local management and representatives' court, so they can work at it, you know, between. Amongst the two of them, they can work out a reasonable solution. Is this happening on both ends? Because in my office, I, I mean, I do this all the time. I, I scan my holds, my forwards, my, you know, my return to sender for whatever reason. I do those all in the morning. If, like I, I say, I if, if, I pull, if I pull them out of my cage and it's, oh, my God, you know, these people moved two months ago and they're still getting their bark boxes sent here. And put them in forwarding. I do that at the office. If I if I if I catch right. it, in, I catch it in the office. I I do that. I do that also. If I if I know if it's something that I know is not going to be delivered for whatever reason that day, whether it be hold forward, um, incomplete address, no such number, whatever the reasoning is, I you know I scan them all in the morning. But every now and then, like. For my apartments, I may not catch because the way I sort, I just sort, I see it's the apartments, I throw it in a, a bit, you know, in a tub. And then when I get out there, I actually sort them out. So I might not see that it was an incomplete address, you know, or didn't have the, a proper apartment number, or it was an incomplete apartment number until I get there. So I scan them all there if I took it yeah. with me. And I'm going to say that I've, I've seen it in my office um, where a carrier's missed a package and they're like well i delivered it well go next door punch this number in and put where you delivered it is that an integrity is that keeping integrity you know the other side of that is go back out to that house see if you can get the package and scan it at the house are you paying me for that integrity is what you make it if you want to be accurate and have integrity in your scans you got to do it the right way. And mm-hmm. the only way you can do it right with management trying to coach you to kind of falsify a scan is to talk with your designated union rep about it. Because falsifying a scan is falsifying a government document. We've gone over this before in another episode. So you want to cover your backside when you're doing this stuff. Here's right. the mapping, mapping in the mapping AM. Yeah. end of shift. All right. Mapping, as we mentioned earlier, it should be done 
as an end of shift duty and a return to DU. If for whatever reason, management says you have to do it in the morning, because whatever reason, there's no one going to be here in the afternoon. Um, it's too late in the day. You already take too long. Whatever their reason is that you can't or they won't sit down with you to map in the afternoon. That is 8127 time. I would also suggest reaching out to your local representative and say, hey, management is telling me that we have to do it in the morning. We can't do it in the afternoon when I get back under end of shift. See if they can come up with, you know, talk with management and get it corrected to end of shift. But if they absolutely insist that it has to be done in the morning before you hit the street, that is 8127 time. As soon as they say, hey, James, come on, let's go, Matt. We're going to map your route. Start your stopwatch. Until the moment you get back to your case, continue to finish casing or pulling down or whatever you're about to do. Some people are saying, well, I'm just going to put it as low truck. No. Because that is low truck function is exactly that. It is just the time it takes you to move the conveyance, fully loaded conveyance from your case to your truck, empty the contents into your truck, and bring the conveyance back to where it belongs. Whether it be to set it back up for the next morning or if they have a staging area that you're allowed to put it for in the afternoon when you get back, so you can just grab it and unload your vehicle, put it in that load truck function is exactly that. It's the time it takes you to load your vehicle. Nothing else. Anyone else make have sure, anything to say about that? Yeah, make sure you notate the time on your 4240 also. Because when it comes crunch time and your paycheck shows up and they didn't input the 8127 time, having it on your trip sheet, your 4240, is your one way of having documentation that it occurred. And if you want, you can put in the time you left your case to the time you got back to your case on there as well. That's another option you can do instead of starting a stopwatch. But make sure you notate this time mapping right on the on the comments of your 4240. Yeah. I was going to say, because when we did... Have the clerk's round stamp it and then make a photocopy. Yeah. I was going to say, it just makes sense because when we did the initial mapping and they figured it was going to take you all day to map your route, you got P time for that. So it just seems it just seems to make sense that if they're going to make you do it during the morning, then it would only make sense that it's something outside of your normal evaluation. So it should be 8127 time. That just seems to make sense to me. The better would be to do it in a shift when it's just actual time. And at this point, it should just be just adding adding things to your to your route or just making small changes. It shouldn't be wholesale mapping five at this point. Minutes on on average, probably five to fifteen minutes. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm, if there's no changes at all to your route, then you just are going in and verifying that nothing that the system didn't change anything. If you yeah, activated or time. deactivated boxes, like I just deactivated a couple boxes that 
have been vacant for over 90 days yeah. um, and the city bought them out and are demolishing them because it's flood zone. So I need to make sure that, you know, I need to get in there and map to make sure that the shed is inactive. Yeah. I go one step further with this, with a calendar at the case that you can put that time down on because my office particularly finding a 4240 three days after it was completed is like <laughs> the proverbial needle in the haystack so if you have your calendar there i i mark it on that i i know people take pictures with their phones uh carry little notepads you know the little fold over spiral bound notepads in their pocket and all whatever but document it somewhere else too okay yeah. Because, like I said, if you have a problem, you know, getting the 4240 to show that you actually worked it and your paycheck shows no reflection of that effort, then you, you have the backup proof. in case. Yeah. Like I said, just, you know, it's like being, finding the ark in the warehouse, right, Bill? Hey, you know, being a tactical <laughs> officer, you know, I, yeah. I don't leave anything to chance. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And since we talked, just touched on that, making boxes inactive. Now, this is one thing that's been going on with the system lately is that it's actually marking boxes inactive that don't get DPS. That's uh, something that's been going on with the system. And I've had a couple of them actually happen on mine, too. So when you're going through your mapping, make sure you're checking for your inactive boxes because... You want those active boxes, especially like on mine. I have a couple of customers that all they get are third-class mail. It still counts towards my evaluation to have that box active. Understand they don't get a mail every single day, but that's still mail volume for my route when I input a box holder, when I input uh, WSS, things like that. And when they get that WSS valve pack in the DPS, it keeps the box active. The only times that I've had that actually happen is boxes that only get the marriage mail and whatever box holders I've put in the system. But you want to make sure that they stay active unless they're vacant. And then you have 90 days. The 90th day is when you put it vacant in your edit book. Not before that. Because I had a house that sat vacant for 89 days. And somebody moved in on the 90th day. I got their first electric bill. So make sure you're keeping track of your vacants, 90 days. And if they're marking them as vacant, make sure you correct them. No, that box isn't vacant. You don't want to remove vacant boxes because you still get 1.2 minutes per box on your evaluation. Without any mail, you get 1.2 minutes per box. Anybody else? Well, according to the old system, and, and and it continues with the rec system, people used to manipulate their uh, boxes to drive up their volume and then reintroduce them afterwards. Don't do this. You're falsifying data. You're falsifying a government document. It will lead to termination. It's an old trick. People have been caught before. People have lost their jobs over this. So don't do it. 
I have one address at my townhouses, but yeah, I did, didn't even click to me that they haven't really gotten mail in a while. This when I drove by it, when I got to the um, CBU last week, the scanner popped up for the edit book option, asking, "Is this address occupied?" So I hit yes, it is, uh, you know, and kept on going. But if I if that didn't pop up, or if I kept ignoring it, or if I said no, it's not occupied, the system might have preferred that to um, say that it's no longer, you know, that it's vacant. That I don't know, you know, how one ties into the other, with the fact that because they hadn't gotten me on a while. It popped up, you know, as the for the edit, you know, to ask, the, you know, in the edit book if it was occupied. I turned around, looked across the street to the house. There was a car in the driveway, and the light was on. So, in the house, so I'm like, yes, it's occupied. Certifieds in DPS. A lot of people have noticed that they're getting certifieds in the DPS. This is the new thing. They don't have enough employees in the plants to separate the certifieds from the first-class mail, so they're treating them all as first-class mail and putting them in the DPS now. Unfortunately, that makes more work for us as carriers because now not only do we have to verify the addresses, we have to make sure that there's not a certified hiding in there. And it's going to happen. You're going to end up delivering a certified into the mailbox because it's in DPS and you don't even know it's there. Keep your eye out for it not your fault that they're putting it in the DPS, but you want to verify that it's not there because you're the last line of defense to prevent this certified from failing. And a certified that's, that's not failed, we have to refund their money. That so, and it's credited as an accountable, which means that it, you know, you're going to get the time for the scan and for obtaining the signature. And you'll get the credit for it from receiving it from the clerk, even though you didn't receive it from the clerk, because it only registers on your recs if you scan it in the field. Whether you scan it delivered or attempted with the with the thirty eight forty nine. Yep. You get the credits for it. And then if you go back out and deliver it again, you get the credits again. So make sure you're looking for them because that's good money on your account. Yep. And for those that have informed delivery, certifieds do show up in the informed delivery under certified and with a picture. I've had a few of them that have come in to my household and they will, it will show up certified and the tracking number for the certified uh, piece of mail in my informed delivery. So they are still tracked. They're just not getting an arrival at unit scan by the clerks and they're coming in the DPS. So just definitely make sure you look out for those, especially the ones that are built into the document. They're on the envelope and you may not see that it's certified unless you look at that envelope window. Look, the clerks aren't doing their job at the plant. You don't have enough clerks in your office to hand them out and have everybody sign for them, making them accountable does not make you lax in regards to doing your job. You get a certified, you see the certified, deliver the certified. The customer paid for the service, give them the service. Get the credit, 
do your job the right way. Second trips, as far as I know, second trips are there's there's really no cha- other other than the Rex procedures. Second trips are not changed. the The Rex procedure for second trips is uh, you return to when you get back to the office and you re- do the return to delivery unit. You then do all of your end of shift duties, dispatch the mail, take care of your markups, your forwards, your UBM, put stuff away. And then if you're going back out on a second trip, then you hit PM casing. And then you do start load and end load. I mean, if it's, it's just, hey, this express came in after you left, you know, you hit start load, walk out to your truck with it, you walk in, you get in your truck with it, you hit end load. And then you go and deliver that, uh, what, however many, if it's just one express envelope, if it's a couple of parcels, whatever it is, it's still load time plus two minutes per mile. But it's done on PM casing because that's second trips have always been outside of your evaluation. So this is de- delineating when your evaluation is stopping and it denotes the time that you went on. That, that you're now ending your evaluated time and doing something else. With the exception of the Christmas overtime. Well, except for overtime, yes. Yes. But normally, currently, presently mm-hmm. at this time, if you were if I was to do a second trip tomorrow, that's how that's how you do it. And that procedure is oh, it's been the the, the union has put it out in several places that that is how you do second trips. And then, of course, when you get back to when you get back to the delivery unit, that's when I because I have a I have an FFV. That's when I do my scan for the for the for the ending mileage. I come in, I grab my clipboard, I walk over to the supervisor's desk, and I do my clock out, and you know, sign my forty two forty and turn it in for the end of the day. Yeah, and it's called second trip for a reason. A lot of officers are telling you it's a second trip in the morning. It is not. The morning stuff, if you're delivering packages in the morning, should be straight time. Plus EMA if you're driving a POV. Yeah. It should be straight time in the morning. It is not a second trip. Don't let them call it a second trip. And if they do, contact your local union representative for guidance. Because second trips are supposed to occur after the first trip. Boy, you ought to explain that to my management. <laughs> they have that they have trouble understanding the difference between first and second. The first being it comes first. The second <laughs> being after the first. You can't have the second without doing the first. Is that what uh, that's saying? That's not what the district told me. <laughs> District told me supposedly. Okay. <laughs> <You know>. supposedly. <laughs> but remember, management can't math. Look at Rex. They can't math. Oh, God. Why, why <laughs> do you think we have facilitators instead of management doing the mapping? <laughs> All right. All right. Stop picking on the. <clears throat> They're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't. We shouldn't pick on them if they can't defend themselves. And. We'll be more than happy to discuss it with them. Oh, yeah. It's much more fun face-to-face. Yes. 
we'd be happy to have a manager come on this and chat with us about this. Mm. Maybe even the regional manager. Oh, <laughs> you'd love to talk to him again, wouldn't you, James? Yes, I would. <laughs> All right, moving on. Authorize, entering authorized dismounts for every dismount, even one. Okay. And th this, this changed a couple of times, but if you have an authorized dismount on in, you know, in your edit book and you mapped it and you did it when you completed your mapping, whether it's a CBU, a school, a business, a hardship, when you, when you make that dismount, that, that initial dismount, is 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 figured into your is figured into your reps is figured into your evaluation under Rex. If you have to make another trip to if it's a CBU and you have you have too many too many parcels you can't handle all the parcels and all the mail and you need to do one and then the other and you have to make a trip back into your truck to complete your delivery that is a second authorized dismount and then that's when you should do the authorized dismount, and then the number of trips. It's the total number of trips. If it's two, you put, you know, RB2. If it's three, RB3. If you only make one, if it, if it only takes you one trip out of your truck to, to do your dismount, then you don't enter anything. And we went round and round on this when it, when it first started. It was like, no, if... Uh, you do. You just do one. You just do the additional dismount. Is like no. You it, the, the firm answer now is you do the total number of trips, and then the system will take out the the one. And now the other thing of that is don't start making a bunch of crazy dismounts. Like if you if you were if you weren't doing anything before. You know, don't suddenly make three dismounts at every CBU or every authorized dismount. You know, that's actual integrity. It's doing yeah, it we right. Went, we went over this back in uh, the activity scans podcast, all the scans and all the information on the scans, according to the comprehensive guide and the quick reference guide that was put out by the union. We went over that paperwork back then in the activity scans. So if you want to go back and listen to that again, great resource for you guys to get an idea. And you can then talk with your designated union rep if you have any questions on it. All right. The rural reach scan and the rural reach program. The rural reach program was designed for a way to increase business customers for the post office. Try and get people with homegrown businesses, people with small businesses to switch from shipping with FedEx, UPS, DHL, and all the rest of them over to the United States Postal Service. Now, we used to get an automatic credit on every count for rural reach, but now we don't. Now, we have to actually reach out and talk with the customers and then input the credit. Now, we've put out in the past that this rural reach scan is for any time you're dealing with customers to try and increase revenue for the post office. And management's now coming back that you have to have a lead with it. So 
you can input the lead in the scanner. You can get rural reach booklets or info, info cards from management. That's another way. But my personal opinion is if you go out and you talk with a, like the other day, I talked with a customer that just moved into the house about the services that we provide to them, like stamps, hold mail, things like that. That to me is a rural reach because I'm talking about services that we provide. Now, management would say, well, that's not a rural reach because you're not offering to sell things. Well, I offered to sell stamps to them. Is that a rural reach? I think carrier discretion should be advised on this. Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, I think I think management's point of view is that if you actually if you actually are generating a they really want it for lead generation that they're going to have their whatever it's called sales specialist or whatever contact them and see what they can do. So if you're going to do the rural reach activity scan under RX, then you should follow it up with the rural reach lead gener- lead generation in your scanner. I think it's option U on the main yes. screen. You're right. And you have to have, and if you're going to do that, you need the full information. Because I, I, I took a flyer off, somebody had stuck up on one of my CVUs, and all it had was like a name and, and a phone number. You, you need to have an address, you need to have a phone number, a point of contact, because they got it. They have to have a way to get a hold of them. So, but if you don't have that, take that flyer into your manager, because then they can do the lead generation for you with just that flyer. So that's another way. It's still part of the rural reach. The difference is, is instead of you inputting it, you're putting it on management to input it. Then, if management doesn't input it, that's on them, not you. I'm going to make a broad sweeping statement and say that unless you are following the lead generation as rural reach is intended, then carrier discretion is a broad stroke in regards to talking to customers about the hold mail sales, stamps, socks, sales, you know, forwarding services and such. I, I, I think that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be personally comfortable doing that, but like you said, it is carrier dis- discretion. In the Facebook group, I upload, I got my hands on a copy of the USPS addendum to the REC stuff. And under the rural reach, because I have done research on it and I've double checked, and it does not say you have to fill in under the lead on the scanner, but it does say that you need to bring the lead information back to management, whether that be in the method of a lead card or even just jotting down the person's contact info and bring it back to management that you discussed the rural reach. Now, also under carrier discretion, just to you know, expand on that, if somebody's tucking their flyers in between the flag and the mailbox, and you input that information into the rural reach, I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, carrier discretion. Re- yeah, carrier discretion. But it is an opportunity, you know, that you can generate, you know, some sales. And I, I think that that follows under falls under the rural reach intentions. Next on the list Next is working controversial. on the clock. Yeah, this one's controversial for working a lot of people. Off the clock. 
Absolutely not. God, oh God. God. We We have talked about working off the clock numerous episodes. Do not do it. If management's okaying somebody to come in early, then they need to be clocking in. Yes. And when you say, oh, it's not hurting anyone, I can't remember what year was. It might have been the 2012 um, arbitration. If not, it was the one before that. But an arbitrator looked, at, and they sh- the post office showed the reports of how many hours on average it was taking rural carriers to do their routes, which was a lot less than the that our evaluations were, and the arbitrator reduced the standards of how many pieces a minute we got for all the different classes of mail. And working off the clock for anybody can affect your evaluation overall. You're getting, you're possibly getting more mail out than you're actually getting credit for. You could be doing things that could get you hurt. And then when you're hurt, you don't get OWCP, which affects you. OWCP gives you 75% of your pay tax-free. While you don't have... If you're off on an injury because you hurt yourself when you're off the clock, you lose that 75% of pay to keep you going until you can get back to work. What, what bugs me about this one is the fact that we have said and fought for years saying we didn't get paid for everything we do. So why the hell are you doing something you're not getting paid for? You're cheating yourself. You're cheating the route. You're cheating your sub. You're cheating the person who may get that route after you've been on another route or you retire or whatever you leave the, the post office. You're, you're giving them more ammunition and saying that you can do more for less. Don't give them any more excuses to cut your pay, folks. And like was said, the arbitrator took time away from us because of people working off the clock. It affected every carrier in the nation. Yeah, not just the ones that that were doing it, but every one of us. Keep that in mind. I'm sick and tired of, you know, having to fight for people who turn around and and pull this crap and then, oh, I went down four hours. No shit, Sherlock. (laughs) You're, you're, your reporting time is 8.30 in our office. You're coming in at 7.50, 8.10. You know, you're giving them hours every week for free. And that's money you're taking away from yourself, your family, at your sub, and everybody else. Because the arbitrator somewhere down the line will say, damn, they're getting faster. Look at the 43 uh, DPS letters per minute. When we had the FSS, 43 flats a minute. I'm a little confused on how you do flats as fast as you do letters. I don't, but, you know, maybe people do. Stop cheating yourself. The machine does it faster. (laughs) Next one. 
This one was a controversial one on, on Facebook. Um, taking DPS to the street that your markups should be sorted while you're on the street. You should sort them into the attempted not known, uh, UTF, uh, insufficient address, etc. No. When you're out on the street, you're not paid to sort through that stuff. That is an end-of-shift duty. Your end-of-shift duty is to sort your mail and put it where it belongs. Great time. Anybody who wants you to do that, get it in writing. Talk with your union rep because it's an end-of-shift duty. Anybody else? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily sort it, but I separate my UBUM from all the stuff I have to mark up and forward uh, to I put my 3M mail in a different spot and I put my holds in a different spot and then work through it when I get to the office. But I don't, I don't like sort it out, but you know, I have a big stack and it's like, I don't sit there and go, okay, here's my, here's all my forwards. Here's all my IAs. Here's all my ANKs. Here's my UTFs. I just put it all in a big pile and then I do sort it out. And then the, the, the three M I have to separate by, by the two, either it's for our office or the other office in town that has a separate zip code. They want those separated. I don't separate that on the street, but I do put it in different sections so that I can, Oh yeah, this is the stuff I got to mark up. And then I work through all those markups. Yeah. I just throw all mine in a tub. Sorry. When I get back to my case. Sorry, when I get back well, to my case, that way I get end of shift time. Well, I get end of shift time for mine too, but yeah. I just go. But you're right. I could I could just put it all in one pile and and take longer at end of shift. Exactly, and it it is part of the PO six hundred three end of shift duties to sort your mail that you bring back from the route. So any manager that's telling you sort it out on the route, so you can bring it back and just throw it in the slots. When you get back, get it in writing. Talk to your union rep. Yeah, I usually case everything, but any Nick, all my Nixies, except UBBM goes right into the tub under the case, but all the rest of the Nixies, um, just except for IA, go into one pile, the IA goes in the separate pile, and then it goes for a ride, and when I get back in the afternoon, I actually sort it out. Yeah, I, I'm like James. I just tuck it in my bucket bucket and just sort it back when I get to the office. The next one. The, the scanning parcels individually versus all together for each address. Because... Um, I okay. I scan all of so when I get to my CBU and I pull out all my parcels, I scan all the ones that go into the individual mail slots. I scan them all at once, hit enter, and put them in the mail slots. I scan all the ones that are going into the parcel lockers. I scan them all at once and I put them in the parcel lockers. The last the last thing I saw from the union says that it does not matter whether you scan you know, scan, click through, deliver, scan, click through, deliver, or if you scan them all together. It says The last thing it says, as I read it, says that the credit is the same. Yeah. Yes. With the caveat to that is 
if they're for the same address. No, I scan. Um, I do the same as you. When I get to my apartments, I scan them all, you know, all the parcel locker ones, completed all the in in at mailbox one, you know, all the, you know, those flat things that'll fit right into the mail slot. But alleged, supposedly, it does not, when you scan them all together like that, it's not differentiating addresses. So in that case, you're not getting, if you scan them separately because they're different addresses, like apartment 101, apartment 102, or apartment 103, so on and so forth, you're not getting the full credit for them by scanning them all together. It was designed for each address to be scanned together. And they know what packages go with each address, so you're going to get the credit for that address, however you scan them, whether you take the time to scan them individually or you run them all together. It makes you faster on the route to scan them all together. You get the same credit for both. So however you want to do it, carrier discretion, you're going to get the same credit. Unscanned parcel. Get this part only to the door or what is one? Okay, unscanned parcel. Uh, very basically, and we and I do believe we went over this. The, the uh, quick guide. reference guide. Yeah. If the if the parcel does not have a barcode on it, if it does not have a scannable bar, if it does not have a barcode, it's an unscanned parcel. If the barcode won't scan, or won't scan, and you can't read the numbers to type it in, it's an unscanned parcel. And I don't understand this part only to the door. No, unscanned parcel has the same delivery options as a regular parcel. You can deliver it to enter at the mailbox. You can deliver it to the parcel locker. You can deliver it to the door. You can leave it with an individual at the address. You can leave it in the garage or other location. All the same options for delivering a regular parcel that you scan are available under unscanned parcel. And you should... And you should select the option you're doing to get the proper credit. You know, if it, if it's something you had to walk to the door, you want to get that you want to get that credit for walking it to the door or hand off to the individual, whichever is accurate. Carrier discretion. This is carrier discretion on the unscanned parcel, just like every other scan we've dealt with. Oh, what, what happens I don't. You... I don't. I don't think there's much discretion though. If you can, I mean, feel. I mean, if you think that. If, because I see a lot yeah, of people yeah. complain about not wanting to type in the numbers because the label won't scan, that's not discretion. I mean, that's laziness. That's laziness. I, I you know, because I heard back when this all started that when you manually put the numbers in, you get a different credit. Now it's not showing up on anything from what I saw in my forty-two forty-one, but. Supposedly, it was supposed to be in there that if you actually manually input it, you get a different credit for it. So maybe they'll eventually input that. You know why I know that's I, not true? That they would be banging on they would be banging on Amazon or these Amazon sellers, and uh, the other bad one I get is Target. Uh, and Kohl's and Kohl's. Kohl's, yeah. yeah. That 
their 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 label printers uh suck <laughs> some of their label printers suck because it's just like uh because you can look at the number and say nope that one's getting typed in because there's little gaps in the uh in the numbers you're you're typing in um i i think the post office would be would be really banging on them to to make sure they're their their printers have ink the their print heads are good um because i type there's days i'm typing in a lot of those for those into for those yeah. uh, for those businesses for those uh sellers well here's Integrity a question for you okay guys we get a lot of these uh foundations for uh contributions from native americans and right. you know easter seals and everything else now, in in our office, you know, we, we get the U-lines. Everybody gets a U-line. Yep. If that U-line doesn't go in my one-inch slot with the mail in there, to me, carry discretion. It's an unscanned parcel. If you get those big envelopes, you know, from the, for asking for donations, and you can't bend them to fit in your case, and you shouldn't have to bend them to fit in your case because of the fact that they should slide in just like any other piece of mail, whether it be a flat or a letter, to me, that is an unscannable parcel. Now, I have several mailboxes where I can fit my two grandsons into them because they're, <laughs> they're not damn big. They really are. I mean, I, I put priority boxes in there, and yep. it doesn't matter. If I have an unscanned parcel, it's going in the mailbox. If it won't go into a standard mailbox and I have to take it to the door, it goes to the door as an unscanned parcel. But again, it's carrier discretion. Yep. And, and I, when I see when I see the U lines, people you know cry over this. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'll just I'll just go on to that. I I will say that in in our district, our DR put out in his uh, um in in our training over on the mini mail survey that if it is in your parcel, and I use the general term, if it's in your parcel hamper, um. It is a parcel. Well, we heard that too during our yep. rest training, and yep. then they turn around and shot that down real quick. Well, then, then you have the ones that sometimes I get the um, in, in my in my uh, tub in my tub flats. You'll have, and you know the ones I'm talking about, the Indian School, the VFW, right. all those ones. And then I'll find some of them in my parcel cage. Right. So I said okay. I. I Treat them all the same. Here is, here is in the PO603 the definition of a parcel. A parcel is a any rigid article that exceeds any one of the following dimensions. Five inches in height, 18 inches in length, one and nine sixteenths in width. So that is what they call a parcel. So do with that what you wish. Yeah. Carry Especially, your discretion. I was going to say, too, because they're saying we don't use the blue rulers anymore. And the blue rulers are based on those on those measurements that you just um, that you just read. <laughs> yes. So Which, if you believe you must be reading my mind, Mike, because I was just going to say something about the blue rulers with that one, too. Because our, our DR said... Still got mine in my drawer. 
he said he said that the blue the you can just throw away your blue rulers now because we don't use them anymore. But the only language the only language we have is the P603. I mean, other than them saying if it's in your if it's in your hamper, it's a parcel. Uh, the only the only concrete language we have is the P603, which has those measurements that James just read, and those equate to the 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 gaps on the, on the on the blue measuring gauge, which they say we we don't need to use anymore. So this really <laughs> this really really falls under under the heading of carrier discretion. Take all of that oral diarrhea I just uh, I just spewed. And do with it what you will. Now, it, <laughs> we are for entertainment I, purposes only. There we go. <laughs> now, now, I can't recall, but I have seen in Rex where they still do the dimensions of 18 and a half inches yeah. and all. And, and I'm sitting there laughing on folks. I mean, you know, make up your mind. Is it a parcel or isn't it? As long as you, as long as you feel you can back it up. Don't leave money on the table if you can back it up. Yeah. Bill, I mean, this, we, this next one is definitely for you. If I don't have DPS for the box, I'm not stopping at it. Uh, what if what if you have a, a box holder? What if you have newspapers that dropped off at your dock every morning? What if you have marriage mail? What if you have clerk mail? What if you have the food drive cards. What if you have any number of items that's not in your DPS? Flag. If the flag's up and I don't have mail for it, why should I stop? I'm not getting credit for it because the rec system's recording whether I have DPS for it. Folks, you stop at the mailbox for flag. You stop for clerk letters, for box holders, for saturation mailings, for whatever you want to call it. If you have one article of mail, if the flag is up, if somebody has a parcel in a plastic bag hanging from your mailbox for carrier pickup, stop for the box. If you don't have anything for that box, if I don't have anything for that box and their flag is not up, I'm not stopping at the box. I'm not getting caught one way or the other trying to pad my delivery evaluation. Period. And the PO603, your delivery and pickup information is in the PO603. It says any mail that you have to be delivered to the box the day you receive it unless management authorizes you to leave it. If the flag is up, you are required to stop at that box. Now, I know that some people, well, a big hashtag going around is not today, postal inspector. A postal inspector could probably go around and throw a letter in a box, put the flag up, and see if you picked it up. Don't take that chance with your job. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, the postal inspectors don't do a lot. They don't go around and do a lot of stuff. They do. They set up stings on people. They get enough complaints, they're going to actually investigate. People will call in. They'll call your postmaster. They'll call district. They'll call national and complain. 
And then the postal inspectors will come out and see if you're doing it, whether it's leaving mail for days on end in the mailbox, whether it's stealing uh, gift cards from the mail, like some people have been doing. Some people have stolen checks. Some people have stolen money. So the postal inspectors will come out and do, do sting operations if they feel like something's amiss on your route. And then you'll get in trouble for it. And the postal inspectors are a lot better at writing paperwork than your local postmaster is. The union would have a harder time fighting against it. So be mindful and do your job because customer service is the one thing us rural carriers do best. We take care of our customers. We watch out for our customers. That's our pride in our job. Carrier had said that they uh, their postmaster was having them come back to their evaluation time whether they were done or not under the new evaluation. Again, it goes back to the seven and a half hour we talked about earlier. If a, a manager is telling you to come back at your evaluated time, that's delaying the mail, in essence, and yep. hurting your evaluation. So by them telling you to come back, you want that, tell them you want that in writing, round dated, and signed on your desk when you get back in the office. And and you need to contact, I would take that straight to your district rep. Yeah, straight to your district rep, because that needs to be moved up to the district office, because your union rep will pass it up to your district rep. Your district rep will take it to the district office. That's the only people that can talk to the district office is your district rep. So I would talk and with your district rep that's, or the district manager that's putting that directive out. Yeah. So don't don't let them bully you. Get it in writing. You ought to see well, how fast other... people stop you know, saying things when you ask for it in writing. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's that's how you get stuff solved. They, if they want to put their name on it, then that means they stand behind it. I armed all my carriers with that phrase. Can I get that in writing? And text messages are not an official form of communication except in an emergency. However, you can use text message images. You can print them out, take a screenshot, send them to your email, print them out, and use them as more examples of them giving you direct orders. Like they say in the text, I'm giving you a direct order to do this because the text message is going to be timestamped. Mm-hmm. So you can actually show on this date at this time, they gave me a direct order to do this. So even though text messages are not an official form of communication, you can still use them as examples of them giving you direct orders. Yeah. At least supposedly. Yeah. The other thing too, is we say it's supposed to be for emergency. Uh, and, and the same thing with uh messages through the scanner they're supposed to be you know emergency situations they can't say you know hey there's um you know uh make sure you make make sure you're taking uh emergency or safety messages you know they can't say hey you know it's hot today make sure you're taking breaks in the shade oh by the way parcel uh we have late parcels come back to the office they can't sneak something in like that they have to be directly safety or emergency messages only. 
Like, for example, tornado warning in the area, get to safe shelter. Since we're coming up on major tornado season, we've had quite a few in the country already. That's an example of an emergency message. Or another example was there was a shooting at a mall just recently in Texas. If a carrier was in that area, that manager could have sent a message, hey, there's a shooter at this mall, find safe shelter somewhere. That's an emergency message. Yep, police but... activity. Um... <laughs> yeah. Amber alert. In yeah. Area of, well, Amber, Amber alerts, alerts come through automatically. Yeah. Yeah. So any kind of message that's an urgent message that results in your safety and security is considered an emergency message. A make sure you're back by six o'clock technically is not an emergency message. Nope. But if it's yeah. if it's winter time. And they send a message out that says all carriers are to be back by six. That is an emergency message yeah. because they're calling everybody back to the yeah. office. General recall. Yep. General recall or roads are getting bad. All carriers come back to the office. So yeah, weather related emergencies, active shooters. You know, um, or a, a uh, wildfire in your area. That's another one that can happen, especially mm -hmm. in our more rural areas. Wildfire roads are, these roads are now closed in, on your route. That's an emergency message. Of course, if you're like management in my office, you won't have that information until we actually get back and say, hey. Yeah. If you If you have a manager that stays on top of that stuff, you got a good manager. At least for that, for that aspect. For that aspect. Let me rephrase. For that aspect. But carrier carrier discretion on whether that's a good manager or not. Oh, God. I didn't know this was comedy night. Well, we did have attempted delivery on a few. We did have attempted delivery on a few episodes ago. And remember, this is for entertainment purposes only. That's right. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> anybody? And if you take ever? anything away from it, good for you. Yeah, exactly. If it if it gets you to talk with your union rep, hooray! We did our job. <laughs> oh. we, if if we if we gave our union reps a reason to talk with their carriers, hooray! I mean, yeah, granted, we may have made more work for them, but that means they're actually getting in contact with their carriers and actually working on building up the craft. I will take that as a win. Or if you decided that you stepped up to be a union steward, yay! Or you decided you're going to run for local, state, or national office, yay! Or you're just going to go and attend a meeting, yay! Sorry. Or if you're willing to pass on information to your fellow rural carrier that may not listen to our podcast or, you know, pass on information. Hey, I just read this in the PO 603. Check this out. Yay. Or if your supervisor confused her cell phone with the scanner and ac accidentally sent you a Chick-fil-A order. <laughs> hey, as long as they paid for it, yay! Yeah, I'll, um, I'll pick that one up. Yeah, I'll pick that one up. It may not get back to the office, but I'll pick it up. 
had to had to had to laugh at that one. That that one really caught me off guard. <laughs> that I would I would consider that an emergency message. Oh, they might have <laughs> passed out from hunger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last one. Right. I, I I don't even, I I don't even want to hear this one. Okay. But go ahead, somebody, please. Which one? Going hourly. Oh, going hourly. You guys want to be like city carriers. No offense to our city carrier guys, but there are rural routes out there that for three months out of the year, they only work four hours a day. And then the rest of the time, they're working 10 hours a day. And they average out to six and a half, six days a week. So... You want well, that here's the other thing with going hourly, like the city carriers, you may lose that protection of only having your one route. Yes, yep. you definitely yeah. will. Yep. I mean, that that's the other downfall to being hourly. And if you think you're micromanaged now, yeah, imagine yeah. what it's yeah. going to be like. Why you you stop for ten minutes here? You stop for fifteen minutes there. What were you doing? You want to know micromanagement? Ask one of your city carrier brethren or sister. Yep, they know all about the micromanaging of your hours when you're hourly. Ask them; they'll and, tell you exactly only, how it goes. And not only that, you know, I I know carry, people are complaining about all the extra stuff you have to do under the RX. Think about. Before the before the city carriers went off the actual physical time clocks, they had their little card. You know, they had to clock in, they had to clock out. If they changed, if they were doing a different function, they had to go back to the time clock, swipe their card, and change their function on the time clock. And now they're like doing clerks. it on the scanner. Yeah, just like clerks had to do that. Just like the janitors had to do that. Yeah. So you know. You know that if if we go hourly, our recs will probably go on a system like the city. We would probably go on a system like the city carriers, and you're going to clock in, clock out. You're going to break in, break out, and any little change in your function, you're going to you're going to have to enter it into the scanner. So you're going to be doing the RX stuff, but in a different. It'll be a different flavor. Yep. And, oh, yeah. and on top you of that, don't there, do won't, that. there won't be any more six-hour days on a two, on a Wednesday nope. after a Tuesday after a holiday. Nope. nope. There's not going to be the short days anymore. You're going to be there eight hours minimum. Yep. Minimum. Yep. And like I or said before. Let's, let's not forget city carriers also have to submit a 3996 if they're requesting anything, over whether it's auxiliary assistance, or overtime, they have to put that request in to be granted that. Yep. yep. And management will say nope. And so now you're got to try and push nine and a half hours worth of work into eight hours because they just deny you your OT or your assistance. Yep. yep. And like I said yep. before, and, and you were just saying it. If you want your eight hours, you have to, and you you know you're efficient. You're one of the speed demons. You know, you, we report at 7.30, you're done by 1. Well, guess what? You have to be there till 3.30 for the next two hours. Hey, we're, we're, we were short, you know, hey, we were down 
two routes today. We need you to take two hours off of pick your route. Or take two hours off of route two and route three each. Or so you can make it. Or uh, no, I really have to leave. And it's like, okay, if you want to give pay today, then you uh, then you need to put in leave. And then we'll of course we'll be able to start taking leave in hourly segments too. Then it's like, well, then you need to submit a leave leave request, or you need to put in leave for these last two hours then. And, and here's a problem with that whole scenario. Say you have a jet Jason on your on in your office, <laughs> and, and he does his eight hour route in five and a half hours every day. He's been doing it that way for the last two and a half years. Yep. They have down routes, and they turn around. They want to hand off two hours to him. Okay. Now the problem of it is he'll start slowing down so that he starts working his hours, and they come back and say, "Look, for two and a half years, you've been doing it for five in five and a half hours." The only time you went over five and a half hours during the Christmas overtime when all of a sudden you, you were working your eight hours. They're going to use all this data in there in the rec system to their advantage to say, no, you can do it as you have for the past two and a half years. And we're giving you these two hours. Now we're yep. going to come into a, a big fight over that because who's to say that he's not entitled to take that time to do his route in, in the format of eight and a half, eight, eight and two thirds hours that his revaluation is. Yep. And refuse to take an extra two hours work off of route two or three. Yep. All right. I think we're going to start winding this down actually. Now that she's home. <laughs> right. You know, I had, I had this whole thing that I wanted to talk about earlier and I've wanted to, and every time I get a chance, I'm going to have to write it down next time so I can remind myself for next time um, because it totally escaped me again. So <laughs> it's one of those things going, yes, I want to talk about that. And then, okay, it's a few days and then you forget about it and then it gets closer. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to talk about that. And then things happen and yeah. So next time I remember what I wanted to talk about, I will write it down so I can talk about it. Do you have any final thoughts, Kristen, on what we talked about? Um, the in-betweens of what I heard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I was going in and out of signal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know, guys, if, if you need of any type of moral support, um, mental support, definitely there are avenues to reach out. You know, my prayers and thoughts are with these families that are affected. Most definitely. Um, I may go ahead and post up the uh, GoFundMe on the Facebook page in a little bit once I get logged back in. And uh, everybody stay safe. Do your jobs. We're providing a service. Keep providing that service. If management wants to fight you on providing that service, contact your union rep. I, I can't stress that enough. It's... You know, we are not the answer for everybody. Like I said, this podcast is entertainment purposes only. You take something away, that's awesome. But the people that you really genuinely should be talking to is your local stewards, area stewards, ADRs, DRs. You know, make sure you're contacting them if management's trying to pull some funky stuff. Other than that, you know, guys, do your job the way you know how to do it. Do it to your best ability. And, you know, eventually all this BS 
quirks and everything that's wrong with Rex, hopefully someday may eventually get worked out. Um, we hope so for everybody's sake. And, uh, but yeah, be safe out there. Hug your loved ones. Tell them you love them. And, uh, I'll give that on to the next guy. Cause now I have to go in and face the music. Right. Um, part of part of our compensation if you didn't if you didn't see it uh they came out and said that uh for this year too uh regular if you're carrying over leave for this year you can carry 65 days over at the end of the year um always remember that leave is part of your compensation and uh if if you need time if you need to take a mental health day, or if you just need to take a break, you have leave to use, put it in, take the leave, fight for it if you have to, um, but take your time off, okay? Um, and like Kristen said, you know, tomorrow's not, tomorrow's not promised to us anyway, so don't ever, you know, don't, don't miss a chance to tell the people who are important to you that they're important to you, um, say, take advantage of saying of of your loved ones while uh, while while they are around. So, um, I'll just leave it there. Like we've said multiple times, do what you're supposed to do. How you're supposed to do it. Don't cut corners, don't try and inflate uh, your numbers. Um, if you feel you need help, like I said at the top of the episode, if you feel you need help, find someone to talk to. Whether it be a friend, a family member, a co-worker, EAP, um, some, you know, someone, anyone, um, as I always say, if, try not to get overwhelmed. If you do take a step back, take a deep breath and step back in. I hope everyone has a good week and we'll speak to you next time. It, it, it really bothers me when somebody is driven to the point of taking their own life over something like a job I, I and and i've been overwhelmed in my life at times and thankfully my upbringing prevailed um i've never considered suicide but i can understand how people are driven to that point i just want us to look out for each other uh even if i don't like you personally I don't want anything to happen to you because there are other people who depend on you, who love you, who do like you. And to me, each life is important, whether we get along or not. <laughs> and life is so short and precious that we need to take care of each other. Um, I, I know coming from an asshole like myself, this is, you know, monumental and somebody trying to understand that I'm 
this sentimental, emotional, whatever, thoughtful uh, in regards to people. But life is too precious. I have lost a son. I have lost my parents. I have lost brothers and sisters. And not not to anything, you know, of them take, hurting themselves, but, you know, through other means. And you don't realize how important you are to the people in your life. So if you ever get to a point where you consider harming yourself, step back and think of them instead of thinking of yourself. Reach out. There are plenty of resources, EAP, Suicide Hotline, they, they're, they're your, your, your local pastor or priest or minister. They, don't give up. Just like we fight for, for our craft here on this podcast, okay? Fight for yourself. Fight for your family. Fight for your loved ones, your friends. Don't give up. There is plenty of support out there if you ask. And and for everybody who is not of that mind, be aware of there. There are people that in our offices that suffer some sort of mental illness or sickness, depression, whatever, that you may just notice little things that being off. Like I said, approach them, make small talk. Let it lead into a conversation, how they're doing and everything else. You know, kind of feel them out, but don't let them feel alone. We are a craft. We, we are a family. And I don't like everybody in my family. And sure, everybody doesn't like everybody in their family, but you don't get to pick them. But we're still a family and we're here for you. If you don't want to reach out to, you know, those those resources you have out there, reach out to us. I have done more than my share in helping people in my office, outside of the office, across the country in postal service. So go out there, be safe, do your job as you're expected to do it, do it as you're paid to do it. Be safe and get home to your loved ones. And and when you get home, hug them, kiss them, and tell them you love them. Because like that carrier who passed away hours before his retirement, you never know when that last moment is. Make sure your loved ones know how much you care about them. Very well said, guys. I really like that. I'm going to piggyback off of that as someone who has actually witnessed the devastation of that to a family, not my own, but to a family and how it affects them. We all need to be out together in this. There is always somebody to talk to, whether it be EAP or 988 or your friends, your family, like he said, a pastor, a priest, um, your religious leader, uh, counselors. There are a lot of counselors out there, and a lot of the insurance providers out there actually pay for 
most counseling. There are actually different avenues you can go. County Health has people that can do that too under a lot of county programs or state programs to assist with that. You are not alone. We are not alone. And to go off of what we were talking about today, you're going to have questions. You're going to have different answers. But we're all in this together. We're here for each other. We're here to support each other and get through this with each other. To the families that have lost loved ones to suicide, we feel for you. If you are a family member of a postal employee who has done this, reach out to us. We're here for you, too. Your family is our family. We're not alone. Thank you guys for listening tonight, and we'll see you on the next episode. Good night.